Well, thank you very much. That was great. I was hoping, I, Pastor Rex sat down next to me and I said, am I next? And he said, yes. And I was hoping that he was going to give a nice introduction like he did for Pastor Ryan about how smart I am and how he comes to me with Greek problems and Hebrew problems. Um, so I was a little disappointed just there. But, you know, the truth is, is he doesn't come to me with Greek problems or Hebrew problems. And if he did, I would just say, you know, Pastor Ryan is not here today. But you might want to go see him later. It's great to get to share with you tonight. I was sitting down here singing these songs. And um, songs have a tendency to take you places. And I was sitting there listening to those songs, those good old hymns. And I was sitting in my church as a child with Ina Standridge over behind, on the piano over here and Twyla Anderson over here on the organ. Behind that little, they used to have a, like a fence around the piano. I don't know if you know what I'm talking about, but it looked like a fence for some reason. They were boxed in there in case they were going to run out or something, <laughs> but I'm not sure. But I was sitting there thinking of those times um, as a child. A, a, a scripture that is really important to me, you can take out your Bibles and you can turn to Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 9. Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 9 is called the Shema. The Shema is that word on the wall that looks like Shema. It's actually Shema. And it's a Hebrew word that means to hear and obey. To hear and obey. And I hope that's what we're doing in children's ministry at Grace Point, is teaching your children to hear and obey the voice of God. The verse says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be upon your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you are at home. Is that right? Yeah. And when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Bind them. As, uh, tie, them on, uh, tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this passage, passage of Scripture. God, I ask that you would help us to be a church. To be a church that is living out this Scripture. That we are loving you with all that we have. And we are impressing that on others. In your name I pray. Amen. Tonight I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a young girl. Well, at least she starts as a young girl. And we're going to kind of follow her life. This young girl, for her early childhood, she grew up in a big city. A huge city with big skyscrapers. And tons of traffic. And when, she, when, when her parents would try to go to work, they, they lived 20 minutes from their house, but it would take them an hour to get there. It was a huge city. She had neighbors that lived on each side of her house. She grew up her early childhood in a big city. She had one older brother, and she had one younger brother. So there was a family of five. Something that's interesting about this family is none of them were believers. Not, neither were their aunts and uncles or their grandparents. There were, none of them were believers. Well, when she was about in the 7th or 8th grade, something very disturbing happened. 
and to one of her younger brother's friends. It was so disturbing that this family, who had grown up in this big city, who had lived in this big city with neighbors close, on paved roads, had to move. So they packed up all their stuff, and they moved. Well, where would they move to? Well, this young girl's dad had some family in a small town about seven hours away from the big city. So they loaded up their three kids, mom and dad, in their car, and they took off driving. And they got to this small town. Actually, they lived out of the small town on a dirt road in a small white house, a really small white house. And it had green trim, kind of olive green trim around the windows and along the roof and shutters. And behind this house that was on a dirt road in the middle of nowhere was a lean-to shed. You could put like a tractor under it. And behind that was a pasture with a barbed wire fence. This family who had lived their whole life in this big city now lived in the middle of nowhere. An adjustment they had to make was this young girl, she joined the band. And a part of the band's color, band's uniform, was they wore white pants. Well, they lived on a well. You know, some wells are good, some wells are not good. They, they happened to have a very, very, very not good well. So her white pants when washed in the well water, would not be white. They would be a yellowish color. So they'd have to go somewhere else to wash their whites. A little annoying in my opinion. But they had to adjust. They had to adjust to living in the country, in the middle of nowhere. Well, this young girl, as she went into her later teen years, she began to search. She began to look for something she wasn't exactly sure what it was. Remember, none of them, none of her family knew the Lord. So she had friends. And so she went to the Assembly of God Church. She tried that out. That wasn't, that didn't work. She tried the Baptist Church. It didn't click. She tried other things like Jehovah's Witness. She was looking. She was searching for something. Well, she came to this one new church it was a rural church a small rural church and she went there when she walked into this church into the foyer it felt different and she walked in a small a new small church and to the left she found the sanctuary and then she walked into the sanctuary there was this light green speckledy shag carpet it's beautiful and and the pews the pews were this dark green color with a little bit of yellow in them and the ends of the pews were dark brown and the walls were pan they had paneling and it had and they were it was dark brown paneling but in that church she found something The church wasn't fancy, it wasn't big, 
But she found something. Well, about the same time, her parents had recently bought a farm. It was a little bit further out, down a further, a longer dirt road. They had bought a farm from a man of God. And this man of God was helping in this church. He had helped plant it. And then he was also attending this church. So she started to go there. And she went there until she graduated. You see, she found love there. It was, it was a love that she hadn't even experienced with her parents. It, it seemed that the people in this church cared about her in a different way than her mom and dad did or than anybody she had ever met. See, in those years, she found the Lord. She began to walk with him. She began to talk with him. Well, as soon as she graduated high school in her big, huge class of almost 30 with a guy named Tiger and another guy who they called Possum, you see, she moved from the big city to the middle of nowhere. She graduated high school and she moved. She moved back to that big city with the high rises and the busy streets and the close neighbors. But I believe that while she was there, there was somebody in that small rural church praying for her, praying that God would be with her in this new chapter. When she returned to the big city, there was, she met a young man. And let me tell you something about this young man. This, this young man was an athlete in high school. He had graduated at this point. He was an athlete in high school, and um, now he was coaching a little league team. I personally think, you know, he was trying to relive the glory days. Um, but he was coaching this little league team, and there was a game. And here came this young woman walking to the baseball game while this young guy was coaching. He came walking along. She came walking along. She was coming to see a, relative, a friend's relative play. And he saw her. And from all the accounts I've ever heard, this young man, it was love at first sight for him. He could tell you exactly what she was wearing on that day. But you see, there's something about this young man is he didn't know the Lord and neither did his family. He was far from the Lord, actually. So he and this young woman, they began to talk and they began to have a relationship and this young man began to change. And one night, he, it was a Sunday night. You know what he did? He called the pastor. From that small rural church. And he gave his heart to the Lord. And he began to live his life for him. This young married couple. They were going on about their life in this big city. They actually moved in closer. I mean they loved the big city. And they found one, one moment everything changed for them. Because they found out they were going to be parents. Everything changed. The way they thought changed. The way they lived their life. Everything changed for this young couple. It was, they were going through the, through the waiting time of waiting for this baby to come. And they were waiting and waiting. Well, one night, their phone rang. 
And it was the young man's mother. And she was very frantic. Something was very, very wrong. Come to find out it was his dad. It was the young man's dad. He had had a heart attack. And he wouldn't make it. He wouldn't make it past that night. You see, I believe there was somebody in that small church praying for this young married couple and their new family. Their child was born and it brought great joy to a, to a, very, a time of a lot of sadness. The years went on and they decided, this young family, that they would move back to the town this teenage girl had grown up in. So they moved back. Now, let me tell you something about this, this young man. He had grown up in the city his entire life. He knew nothing about living in the country where they would be living on a farm. He had worked on the docks. It was, it was not good for him. You see, one day he was out cleaning a fence row. It was all grown up, this fence row was, and he's pulling off vines. And he's pulling and pulling. And his father-in-law walks up and he says to him, "Um, Buddy, are you allergic to poison ivy? And the young man says, I don't know, what's poison ivy? And his father-in-law says, well, we're going to find out. Come to find out he wasn't allergic for for his own good. See, he didn't know about living in the country. He didn't know about living on a farm. Well, this wasn't any farm. It wasn't just any farm. It was a chicken farm. And this chicken farm had four huge hen houses. Big ones. And it had one house with hogs in it. I don't know about you, but if you have, has anybody ever smelt that? Okay. If if you had lived in the city your entire life, and then you live within smelling distance, of four chicken houses and a hog house, a little bit of an adjustment. They moved there in January, and it was cold, and they lived in the old farmhouse with very little heat. But they began to get involved in the small rural church. They had their second child. You see, they didn't have a whole lot of family around them. The church became their family. When things were wrong, the church was their family. The church loved them. The church walked with them. The church helped them parent their children. The church helped them grow as a family. The young man had not been a believer very long. He was learning along with his children. The church helped them become followers of God together. You see, in the Shema, it says that we are to love God with everything we have, with our heart, our soul, and our strength. Everything. This young couple and their kids were learning exactly what that meant from this small church. They were learning what it meant to live out their life. Eventually, this young family moved off of the farm into a town. You know, it was a big town, had about a thousand people in it. And it had a couple grocery stores, a big town for them. And they began to serve, actively serve in their church. They served as anything you can imagine. They were Sunday school teacher, NYI president, youth group sponsors. They served in children's church, Wednesday night leaders, local quizzing, district teen quizzing. 
district camp. They would take their vacation and go to district camp every summer. They were the managers of the district campground. The last position they had together was the managers of the district campground. You see, God used them, these two people, in ways that they would never know. I believe there was somebody in that small church praying for this family. This church helped them teach their children. The church provided ways for them to walk along the road together. Did they have the Shema out in front of them? No. But they were being faithful people to follow God, to walk this journey together, to teach them, you know, that God loves them. Did the parents do everything exactly right? No. But they taught their kids that no matter what life brings you, God will be there. No matter what comes along your way, God will wrap his arms around you and he will carry you through it. This would be important for them. Because you see, when, when their children were 15 and 12, the mom was diagnosed with cancer. It didn't look horrible, but it didn't look great either. The church rallied around this family. The church came around them and carried them through the tough times. They helped where it was needed. When the dad had to work, people would help with the kids. When the mom would have to go away for, to the hospital for time, extended periods of time, The church people would go stay with her. They were walking this journey together. Remission finally came for this mother. And the church rejoiced together. Because they had conquered this battle together. However, a few years later it came back. And it looked very bad. The second battle was different from the first. You see, they, the, this mom and this dad, they were the district camp directors, managers. They lived on it. They took care of it. You see, they had a, a larger family. I don't know if you know much about the district in the Church of the Nazarene, but we're a part of a bigger body. You know, we, as Nazarenes, and for the church for sure, but as Nazarenes, we're organized in a way that's bigger than Grace Point. It's bigger than our northeastern Indiana district. It's our denomination. And it's a way for us to to know one another and come alongside and walk this journey. So the district family came along and helped and did whatever they could do along with the local church. The youngest of the the kids, would, would it was time for him to graduate. And the district family figured out a way to have that live fed into the mother's hospital room so that she could see her son graduate. Not a big deal, but it was a big deal. The church came alongside and helped this family. A couple months after this graduation, the mom went home to be with the Lord, with her husband. And the pastor of the small rural church in the room with her. While the waiting room was filled with local church family members, district family members, who had come alongside the family to carry them through this time. 
It was essential in helping the family through these days. Her funeral was a celebration of what God can do in the life of someone who is willing and faithful to follow God. See, this this lady was not an outspoken person. She was not somebody who would get up here and tell and preach to you. She was a quiet leader. And she had a testimony, even up through her death. It was the church. You see, probably most of you have figured this out. I don't know where I would be without that small rural church who reached out to a lonely teenage girl over 35 years ago. I don't know where I would be because, you see, that's my mom. My mom needed love. And the church gave her love. But it wasn't just the church. It was the church allowing Jesus to love her. It was those people being Jesus to her. Praying for her. Encouraging her. Loving her. Nurturing her through those years. She told me one time, she said, Trey... I could have ended up in any religious group there is because I was searching for something. And I believe that God kept her safe. I believe that God had a plan for her and that God put his arms around her and kept her safe until she walked in to Glenwood First Church of the Nazarene in Glenwood, Arkansas. And he, God was able to love her through those people. God was able to let her know that he loved her no matter what, that he was her champion, that he was going to be there, and that he was going to walk that journey. The people in that church, Glenwood First Church of the Nazarene, they are my family. My dad has three siblings. One of them follows the Lord. My mom has two. Neither of them follow the Lord. And neither their parents do either. God had a plan, I believe, for my mother. That church is my family. They taught me and my brother what it means to live for God and with God. They taught us, you know, whether that was Betty Jester in the preschool class or that was Carolyn Evans, who I called Miss Evans because we called everybody Miss in their first name. So Miss Carolyn, well, I couldn't say Carolyn, so I had to call her Miss Evans. And she was a teacher, too, which I felt kind of weird because she was a teacher. Anyways, Carolyn and Priscilla Owens or Herma Jean Betts in our Midler class or Mary Lacefield or James and Mary Garrett or Ina Standridge, who would play up on that piano. Or Charles Tidwell, who was the banker in our town, who, who came from nothing and he had a wonderful testimony. Or whether it was Miss Porter, who would sit kind of in the back. And she had a saying, probably you've heard it, I never heard it until Miss Porter said it. She would say, you know what, you may be the only Bible anybody ever reads. You know, or maybe it was Mom Mango, who was Vivian Higley, the organ players, her mother who was a faithful servant of God. 
who we heard her testimony, we saw it lived out in her face. She knew Jesus. You know, these people were transformational to me. To see them involved. To see them serving the Lord. You know, James Standridge was our head usher. Never missed, even on opening weekend of deer season. James Standridge was there. All the other ushers were different, but not James. Because he was there. It was his responsibility. It was his ministry. God used these people to change me. God used these people to change my dad and to help my mom as we walked this journey together. Now, the church has grown and changed, and, you know, it's different. Different people are there now. The people who were old when I was young, they're older. And the people who were older when I was young, they have gone on to their heavenly reward. But I believe that their legacy... What they taught me, I will pass down to Sophia and to Levi and to the people of the, and to the kids, mostly of this church. Because they found it important to pass on the story of God. And not just to do it with their words, but with their, with their bodies and with their, with everything about them. I knew that they loved God. I knew that something was different about them and that it was God. The Shema says, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all all your strength. These commandments that I give you are to be upon your hearts and press them on your children. The people in my home church, they impressed it on me. They impressed it on my my brother. They impressed it on my dad and on my mom. You see, my mom, my, my brother and I, we have families that my mom never knew. We serve the Lord in places she never heard of. And I hope and pray That we are making a difference for the kingdom because of her faithfulness. God is faithful. Great is thy faithfulness. Chad is going to come up. And in closing, I want you to think back as he begins to play for a moment over your life. Names of people who impacted you for the kingdom. Names of people who impacted Maybe your mom or dad. Maybe they were first generation believers. Maybe you're a first generation believer. People who lived it out for you. Where you knew without a shadow of a doubt that this isn't just lip service. That this is something that is truly true. That this is something that is a way that I can live my life. That will impact me. That will help me to reach out to people around us. Think of those sort of people just for a moment. Maybe it's a Sunday school teacher or a preacher or a church camp director. Maybe it's the lay person who was out in the foyer of your church growing up who noticed if you were there or if you weren't there. Maybe it was your pastor. 
or your church pianist or the nursery worker or your children's church teacher. Maybe it was the person who picked you up on the bus. Who are they? Now I want you to think to yourself, how are you right now impacting others for the kingdom? What are you doing right now to impress the love of God, the commandments of God on others? Maybe God is asking you to be a mentor to a new believer like my dad was. Maybe God is asking you to pray for a young girl who's coming to church without her mother, without her dad. And God's telling you, you know what, I need you to pray for them. I need you to, on Sunday mornings, just walk up and say, hey, how are you? How was your week? Maybe God is asking you to be that greeter, to notice when people are here or when they're not here. We have a big church. There's a lot of us. But I still believe that we can notice when somebody new walks through those doors. And we can be the one who who loves on them and lets them know that they are accepted here, that they can be nurtured here, that God cares about them here, and so do we. Maybe God is asking you to invest in a new way in the lives of people at this church. Maybe it's kids. Maybe it's youth. Maybe it's parents. But I believe that we should all be doing something. If we're a believer, we are told to go. It never tells us when to stop. It says go and make disciples. Does that look different for every stage of life? You betcha. But we need to be finding ways to share the love of Christ. Most of us here know God is faithful. There's no doubt in our mind that God is faithful. You've experienced it. I've experienced it. But how are we passing down the faithfulness of God to the next generation, whether that's the next age generation or the next generation of believers? How are we being faithful to share the faithfulness of God? If you'll stand with me, let's sing this together.